right. Good morning. Welcome this morning. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? Thank you, Lord. Isn't it great to be together? Thank you, Lord. So sweet. Hey, uh, this, uh, this evening, 5 o'clock service will be uh, in the parking lot. So if you want to come, we're going to have the front row section for if you want to bring a lawn chair, come sit up front. Some people came last Sunday and backed up their trucks, sat in the back of their trucks. So it's kind of like, you want to stay in your car? That's cool. You want to come out? That's cool. You want to sit up front? That's cool too. So uh, you come on at 5 o'clock service. We'd love to see you guys. Um, this morning, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter, what chapter are we in? Chapter, what chapter? 12. If you need a Bible this morning, raise your hand. We'll get one to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. study. Uh, the Apostle Paul, remember, he had planted this church, pastored in this church. He had left, and now he's writing a letter. Um, and, and we've talked about this many times. It is a corrective epistle, a corrective letter. There were lots of problems in the church of Corinth, and one of those issues was spiritual gifts. The misunderstandings about spiritual gifts, the ignorance about spiritual gifts, the abuse of spiritual gifts, and we learn, um, we began last week here in chapter 12, and it'll go all the way, chapter 12, 13, and 14, Paul's going to continue to teach us about spiritual gifts, and we learn how the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives, the Holy Spirit helps us cooperate together um, with the spiritual gifts that we've been given, in order that we might accomplish all that God wants us to do for him. And so to be what he wants us to be, in other words. And so um, God gives us beautiful spiritual gifts, doesn't he? We learned about some of them. We learned about nine of them last week in verses 8 through uh, 10. I think there was nine listed there. There is a wide variety of spiritual gifts um, that, uh, that God gives his church, he gifts us a wide variety of different ministries, a variety of ways that God uses the spiritual gifts um, in the local church, in the local body, um, as we gather together. And so we learn about the purpose in verse 7. Is my mic really hot? Thank you. It's smoking up here. <laughs> in verse 7 it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, why? For the profit of all. So all the spiritual gifts, all that God gives us is that we might be a blessing to one another. That word profit means also to help, to benefit one another. And so, and when, when we use our spiritual gifts to love one, when we love one another and use those spiritual gifts, it happens supernaturally natural. It is a beautiful thing that happens uh, in the church. And so God has a special role for each one of us here to play 
in the local church. We all, in other words, we all fit somewhere. And Paul is going to use an analogy um, of the body, of our physical bodies, and how it correlates to the spiritual body of Christ. How we're all different, how the body has all these different parts, and yet it's one body. Same way in the body of Christ. There's all these different members and parts, yet it's one body. We're not divided or separated out. And so different people with different gifts, with different roles, all working together in a coordinated way, each of us doing what we're supposed to do. And what happens? We represent Jesus as his body. We see his kingdom furthered and we become all that God wants us to be for his glory. And so look at verse 12 with me. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13. Um, God's word says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all, as I love this, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. And so every body, every physical body is composed of many parts, correct? Lots of different parts, right? We got fingers, toes, ears, we got different glands, um, liver, pancreas, lungs, some seen. Some are unseen, correct? Every, every single part is vital in our bodies. Even though there are many parts, it's one body. That's, and Paul's going to make that point over and over and over. Like three or four times he says this. And he's saying similarly or likewise, um, the body of Christ, that's the same thing. There's many different parts in this mystical or spiritual body of Christ. And so look at verse 13. How does this all roll out? How does this play out? Well, the Holy Spirit has done what? He's baptized all of us. That word baptized means immersed or submerged. And we're not, by the way, we're not talking about water baptism here. Water baptism is when in obedience to the Lord's command to let everyone know I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I get dunked under water and it's a, it's a picture of what's happened spiritually in my life. This is speaking of being connected together no matter what your national background, no matter what your status culturally, no matter, no matter what, all those barriers, all those walls have come down. And what happens? The Holy Spirit is living in each one of us. The Holy Spirit has brought us all together. The Holy Spirit has brought all barriers down between us and God and us, um, one another. There's no barriers. And he put us together. He's placed us in, notice what it says, into the body of Christ. Baptized into one body. You become a part of the church, the body of Christ, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then what happens? The Spirit is the one who baptizes you into the body. We are, as a church, we are the physical representation of Jesus Christ on planet Earth. Are you with me? Amen. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but he lives through us. Correct? That's what he does. And people, and here's the thing about this, people come to a conclusion about Jesus by the way that we live our lives, by our actions, by our attitudes, that's what, our behavior. That's why division is so uh, dangerous. Paul's trying to deal with this issue of division in the church. That's why uh, it's so bad. 
Because as a body, we are to be representing the Lord Jesus Christ in unity, in oneness to a lost world around us. Notice also, and I love this at, in verse 13, Paul says we have this unique connection with the Holy Spirit. We have all been made to drink into one spirit. In other words, God is the one providing the ever-flowing, constant stream of living water. Jeremiah 2.13 tells us that God is the fountain of living waters. He is a constant source of spiritual vitality to us. Isn't he? Have you found that true in your life? Jesus, Jesus put it this way. Come to me, all you are thirsty and drink. And out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that an awesome description of our lives as Christians? Is that a description of your life this morning? If not, guess what you need to do? You need to come to Jesus and drink. Because sometimes we run dry. Sometimes we leak. Correct? And we need to come. He's made it so simple. It's coming to Jesus and drinking. Coming to him and being filled up. That's what this is talking about here. We get baptized, and then we need to be filled and refilled and refilled over. And aren't you glad that God's into refills at no charge? It's beautiful, but we need that. And you know what else? What's interesting is, as we're considering the gifts, sometimes, sometimes if we're not filled with the Spirit, oh, not sometimes, when we're not filled with the Spirit, guess what we're not operating in? We're not operating our spiritual gifts. And you know what? I learned this this week, is that... It's easy sometimes to see when someone's not operating their spiritual gifts. They're typically critical. Like think about someone with the gift of helps. They come into church and what do they see? Oh, there's a problem with them. Why didn't they fix that? What's going on in this church? Can't someone fix that? Guess what? Maybe you have the gift of helps and God wants you to go and fix that. Oh, this place is, this area of ministry is so disorganized. Why can't they get that? What's the matter with this church, these people? Guess what? Maybe you have the gift of administration and you need to get, for lack of a better word, off your keister. Off your rear. And use the gift that God's given you. You know what else I've learned? That can happen with the gift of teaching, too. Man, this this guy, he he could have done this better. He could have conjugated that verb better. He could have used a better illustration here. Guess what? Maybe you have the gift of teaching and you need to be teaching somewhere. And you're not using your gift because you're not filled up with the Spirit. Because if I'm filled with the Spirit, guess what? I'm walking in my gifting. I'm I'm allowing the Lord to work in and through my life with the gifts He's given me to build up others, to love others, to see them grow spiritually, to help them. And so maybe today the Lord's... When I studied this week, I'm like, there's going to be some people that get freed up this week. To step out in faith and start using the gifts that God has given you. Not to squander your gifts. Not to, not to sit on your gifts. But to say, okay, Lord, here's my life. I want, to use, I want to be used by you. I want to be someone under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Controlled by the Spirit. Filled. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, be continually filled with the Spirit. So we need to be continually filled to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 14. That's an amen. Thank you, little guy or gal, whatever you are back there. Oh, red outfit sweet. Paul says it again. For in fact, the body is not one member, but what? But many. And then he uses some humorous illustrations here. Look what he says. 
if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Can you imagine your foot saying, I quit? That's <laughs> humorous, doesn't it? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? Where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, if it was one big ear, where would be the smelling? But now, God, and here's the point he's making. It's right here. What has God done? What is God trying to teach us? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body. This is so awesome. Just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? And so Paul's like, verse 14, let me draw your attention there. He says, let me make this really clear. The body is not one part. He's going to say this over and over. But lots of different parts, yet all of those parts are crucial, vital. What's the big buzzword they're using today? Essential? Is that what the big word is? All of the parts are essential for the body to function in a healthy way, to work in the way that God intends. God makes us different, doesn't he? He makes us different. He gifts us differently. And the point that Paul's going to make also in a moment here is that we need each other. We're all so different. We need each other. But when God uses us together, it paints a total picture of who God is. People get to see who he is through our lives. He uses a bunch of different people, different kinds of people, to paint his picture, the body of Christ. We are so diverse yet connected intimately, wonderfully, and gloriously. We are, listen, to be united as one, as a body. Are you with me? Verse 15, the first humorous illustration. A a conversation amongst body parts. I love it. If your foot spoke and said, since I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. Is that true? Is the hand not part of the body? Obviously, the answer is no. Even though the foot is not a hand, it's part of the body. And that foot is absolutely vital, isn't it? Foot is absolutely vital and has a unique role to play. Second humorous illustration, verse 16. If your ear spoke and said, since I'm not an eye... I'm not part of this body. Is that true? No way. The answer is obviously no. Even though your ear is not an eye, it's still part of the body. The ear is special, isn't it? Aren't our ears special? They are. Just like the eye is special. The ear is special and has a unique role to play in your body and in my body. And he's going to make a point here. You are who you are because God put you here. In the body, he placed you. Some of us are ears. Some of us are noses. Some of us are elbows. Some of us are pancreases. Some of us are livers. Some of us are glands. Some of us are other areas that are not seen, that are not visible, but every body part needs to work together. And by the way, don't be discouraged or bummed out. Don't be discouraged or bummed out. That's the idea. I'm not an eye. I'm not an ear. I wish I could just be an ear. I wish I was a hand. Why couldn't I not be a hand? And the point is, God puts you there because it pleases Him where He's placed you, how He's gifted you, how He's wired you, the church that He's brought you to and placed you in. It pleased Him. He's happy about it. It's His good pleasure. And so, 
Each of us has a unique set of gifts, a unique calling, a unique place in the body of Christ. God knows who to make you and what you are to do for him, gang. God designed you and placed you where you need to be. And in verse 17, Paul says, listen, if the entire body was one big eye, what's that? Anybody seen Monsters, Inc.? What's that? Mike? I, could, I don't know his last name. Like Wazowski or something? What is it? Wazowski? Right? <laughs> is that the dude? Well, if the body was one entire body, one big eye, it wouldn't be able to smell, hear, correct. Listen, if every one of us was the same, guess what? We couldn't do the amazing things that God wants us to do. Again, we don't get a total picture of who he is. He wants the total package, right? He wants everyone to see how awesome he is. And it's by all of the gifts working together in cooperation together as one. And so verse 18, here's the point. that God placed the parts, each one precisely in the body where it made him happy. Just as God put together the physical body, he puts together the body of Christ as well. What did David say? Psalm 139. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When's the last time you praised God for the way he put you together in your mama's womb? When's the last time we praised him for the body of Christ? It is also fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, Lord, thank you for bringing me to this church, to this body where you've plugged me in. God, I will praise you. This is awesome. I'm growing and I'm thriving and I have opportunities to serve you and, and to grow in my gifting and calling. And man, I will praise him for we as a body are fearfully and wonderfully made. Where you are is right where God wants you. As you're serving him, no matter where I am in the body, it's because he is pleased. Do you guys believe God is sovereign? Do you believe he's in control? I do. Do you believe he's intimately involved in your life, in his sovereignty? This is humbling. To me, this is humbling. He places me where he pleases him. He knew exactly where I would fit, where you would fit also. And the gifts you would need to be successful in what he's called you to be. That, that, that should free us up this morning. Because what can happen in our hearts? I'm getting ripped off of this church, man. Don't they see my gifts? Doesn't no one notice me? How come I didn't get to go to the pulpit this week? No one recognized how special I am, man. Listen, are you content where God has you? The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, I'm content right where he has me. He has me right where he wants me, whether I got a little or whether I got a lot. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you learning contentment? Are you learning contentment this morning? He has you and I right where he wants us. Listen, there is something right now that God has. If you're not plugged in, and this is your church, listen, God has a place for you right here, right now, right where you're at. God is pleased. Are you? That's the question this morning. Are you pleased? Maybe you're saying, you know what? I just roll in and roll out. I just roll up. Roll out, no one cares. You know who cares? God cares. And I never saw it till this week. This is like one of those verses that just kind of flew out of nowhere. Proverbs 18, listen to this please. 
Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Can I encourage you to stop isolating yourself and get plugged in? Can you imagine your ear saying, I'm just going to show up and I'm out of here. No, the, the ear is needed, isn't it? It's necessary. Or your pancreas. Man, they were making fun of me. I'm out of here. No, someone took my seat. Bye, pancreas. You're vital. That's a vital, isn't it? A vital organ. You're needed. You're necessary for the body to function as the Lord wants us to. You are important. Can I encourage you this morning? You are important. Please do what God has called you to do. Others have their roles, and we are to accept them. They are just as important as you are. Well, if everyone were all the same part, where would the body be? He goes on, verse 20. But now indeed, and he says it again, there are many members, yet one body and again, here's another humorous illustration. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, verse 22, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. And, and here's the point, the point that Paul's making. Look what it says about God. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Why? That there should be no schism or no division in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So Paul repeats himself again in verse 20. There are lots of parts, but only one body. Every body part is necessary for the function of the whole as God intended. And Paul is making a point here. And what's the point? That we all need one another. We all need one another. In fact, the illustration he uses, look at verse 21. The eye cannot tell the hand, I don't need you. You guys ever get something in your eye? What, what do you use to get it out? Your big toe? <laughs> what do you use? Your hand, don't you? And, you're, and aren't you gentle and delicate getting it out? You don't say that dumb eye. <laughs> Correct? How do we treat one? How do, how do our body parts treat one another? I mean, this illustration is awesome, isn't it? I mean, it's, of course it is. It's spirit given. But to us to step back and just think this through, because we are parts of the body. We don't treat our own bodies like that, do we? We care for our bodies. We nourish our bodies. We cherish, don't we? That's the same care Paul's making here. We are to have for one another. You know, what if, again, nor again, he says, the head cannot save the feet. I don't need you. Can you imagine your head saying that? How, how's he going to get anywhere? Is going to roll everywhere? 
I mean, it's a humorous illustration. And one of the points is the eye is not greater than the hand, nor is the head greater than the feet. They need one another. Paul's saying that to us this morning. Don't forget, we need one another. We need all the members functioning in a healthy way so we can work together to get things done for Jesus. And if we don't, you know what happens? If we don't, we all miss out. We all lose. We all get ripped off. Every one of us. And again, God is something for each one of us. Every part is vital. It's not my part is better than your part. My member, no, 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 no. We all need one another. And there's a danger in this. I think Paul is alluding to it as we look at this. There's a danger of pride with our spiritual gifts. But there's also the danger of having a lack of confidence in the Lord. And trusting in his wisdom and in his strength to operate, to walk in the things that he's called you to walk in and trust in the gifts that he's given you to do it. Well, look what he says in verse 22. Saying that part is not needed is not fitting. Well, again, we need all the parts. The parts of the body that, notice that word, seem to be weaker. The parts of the body that appear to be feeble or inferior or not so glamorous are, are what? What does your Bible say? They're necessary. The heart doesn't look very cool, does it? You ever seen a heart? Does it look weird? Or the brain? The brain? Have you seen a, anybody ever seen a brain? It's all like weird looking. Not so glamorous, but absolute necessary. Yeah. Absolutely necessary, right? Sensitive. Is essential. Is it essential? Yeah. Essential parts. And Paul is saying here, listen, no matter how insufficient you may feel, you are absolutely essential. You are vital. Because people can think that I'm just, you know what, I'm not, I'm not a nose. I'm not a mouth. I'm just a pituitary gland. Is that, that's a gland, is it, is it right? I'm not, I didn't do very good at anatomy or biology, one of those. <laughs> one of the anatomies or ologies. <laughs> Listen. Again, every part is necessary, or no matter how many times you've been beat up in serving the Lord, or injured, or hurt in the past, because that can happen. I'm not serving the Lord anymore because I'm just not, I'm not needed, I'm insufficient, I've been hurt too many times, or whatever. Listen, God's grace is sufficient for you. His strength is made perfect in your weakness and in my weakness, we need him. It just, it just means I need him even more. Lord, I desperately need you. The bot, this, listen, this body thing only works, to, or only works if we do it together as a team. And God doesn't waste anything. Do, do you guys believe, that, do you think God wastes anything in your life? He doesn't waste anything. Listen, if you give it to him, no matter what, whether it's your hurts, insufficiencies, inadequacies, he uses it all. If you give it to him and say, Lord, I give this to you and allow him to work in and through your life, you will experience his grace, his power, his sufficiency, his glory, his glory in your life. You just surrender it to him and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I'm not holding back. Time's ticking, man. Time's ticking for all of us. It's time to serve the Lord with the gifts and callings that we have. And those body parts, look at verse 23 through 24, those body parts that we think are supposed to be less honorable 
On these we bestow or we, we extend or grant more abundant respect or value or worth. Our unpresentable parts, our inelegant or unattractive body parts that lack appeal, they have a greater modesty. They have more abundant charm or attractiveness. But our body parts that are good in outward form, the presentable parts, have no necessity of added honor. And here's why. Because God put all of these body parts together and he's giving greater honor to to who? To those ones that we perceive as not so precious or honorable. What's Paul saying here? Remember our context, you guys. This is so vital. Paul is addressing the Corinthians' attitude of pride. Because by pride comes nothing but strife. Pride causes division. And Paul's saying to the Corinthians, listen, you think you're something special? You think you're great because you have this particular gift? That's not how the body works. In fact, greater honor is bestowed upon the weaker, the less honorable parts. Some of the most important body parts you and I have are the most fragile, the weakest, not glamorous, not seen, where they function behind the scenes. And how does that translate into the church? In the church, listen, we should not despise those who may be weaker, who we may think are, are not as important as a certain ministry or a certain minister. It is the exact opposite, gang. There is a lot of work done, especially our church, by people that are never seen and never noticed. And the church would not function without them. Without their blood, sweat, and tears, you may never ever notice them, but they are laboring in the shade, laboring where no one sees them, and guess what? They're not doing it to be seen. They're doing it for Jesus. And they are absolutely vital. They're crucial. They are essential. They may never have, they may never be on the stage, they may never have their name on a website. But we couldn't do it without them. What we do as a church. They are absolutely vital. Listen, preaching, teaching is no greater, is no greater than the gifts of helps, mercy, administration, or all the rest of the gifts. Every single one. That's the point Paul's making here. That everyone is needed. And verse 25, God's purpose is that there would, this would prevent tears and, and rip schisms. Each person is to continually have the same care. That word care means concern, regard, help, to be fond of, to minister to. Each person in the body of Christ. This is so awesome. Listen, here's here's the danger. Sometimes we make hierarchies, distinctions in the church. Where we view people as better because of their gift or their function. And guess what? That's nonsense. It's nonsense. Listen, every one of us, we're all called to humbly and faithfully serve Jesus. No matter where he's placed us in the body. When we all do what God has called us to do, guess what happens? There's no division. There's no bickering. There's no picking little sides, little teams, little crews. None of that happens. Because we're all doing what? We're all caring for one another. Serving one another. Loving one another with the gifts that God has given us to. If there's division in the church, guess what? We've lost sight of what we've been called to do. And it's But it is, isn't it powerful when we do what the Lord says? I love when people come and they visit our church. When pastors come and teach here. 
Uh, they come and visit, and they say, that church, man, is so loving. That is one of the most loving churches I've ever been to. Well, Jesus said that would be our mark, wouldn't it, as Christians? It wasn't because we said, you know what, let's get in the huddle, gang. Okay, we got a visitor coming today. Let's love as much as we can. Let's make them feel real good. All right, yeah, yeah. It's supernaturally natural because we're walking in the Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And God's gifts are flowing in a wonderful and glorious way. And there is oneness and there is unity as we're continuing to seek first Him, His kingdom, to seek His face. Listen, the world doesn't need to see a jacked up church. The world needs to see people who love one another genuinely. That there is a unity and a oneness. Jesus prayed for that, John 17. That the whole world would know that the Father sent the Son to give His life for us. Our unity, our oneness, our love, it needs to be genuine and not phony. Look what he says in verse 26. Here's one example of it. When one person is hurting, the whole body should be hurting with that person. When, when we should weep with those who weep. Our brother, you know what that tells me? Our brothers and sisters in this room should not suffer alone. Because, because why? Because not one person is irrelevant. Every single person in the body is relevant, essential. Every single one of us. And notice when one person is full of joy, rejoicing, what's everybody to do? The entire body. We're to party with them. Hallelujah. You know what that tells me? Our brothers and sisters in the church should not be rejoicing alone. We should be rejoicing with them. We should be excited when someone is blessed by the Lord, shouldn't we? But sometimes we're not, right? We're bitter. You got picked for that? They picked them to sing the Christmas thing? Not me? You laugh because you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I know, I've been there. It's our flesh, it stinks, it's rotten, it's sin. That's what it is. Let's be real. You know, God loves me. Listen, we're blessed God is moving in that person's life. We're blessed. So we rejoice in what God is doing in their life. He's sovereign. God will get you to where you need to be. Do you believe that? Is he in control? Hallelujah, my pastor arrived. Yeah, I believe he's sovereign. He's in control. Then trust him. You keep loving him and loving people and watch where he'll move you. And he'll, he'll grow you and shape you and mold you and place you where he wants you to be. Where you will function in a, in a way that's glorious and it's not heavy or burdensome. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. And it'll be awesome serving Jesus. It's the, it's the greatest thing you could ever do is serve Jesus. There's nothing like it. No matter what, where you've been, no matter if you've been at the top of a company or at top of or your profession, or 20,000, 30,000 people cheering fans because you just hit the game-winning home run. There is nothing that compares to serving Jesus Christ. He's the best. So awesome. Well, where are we at? You guys ever thought about your big toe? That's weird, Pastor. What are you talking about, man? 
Have you guys ever thought about, when's the last time you gave your big toes some thought? <laughs> just now? Think about, just think about your big toe with me for a minute this morning. He, typically he stays hidden all day long, doesn't he? In a place that's dark and hot and stinky. He, he does come out once in a while though, doesn't he? He's not the most attractive, beautiful looking. He's actually kind of weird and odd. Although he does have a, counter, a counterpart on the other foot, doesn't he? But they don't look like the rest of the toes. You know what? That big toe is absolutely vital to the rest of the body. It brings balance. It enables us to walk. It's absolutely vital. What happens when anybody ever stubbed their toe? What happens? Everybody goes to help, right? There go the hands. One member suffers. There go the hands to rub it out, right? And out what comes out of our mouth? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. We're not quite there yet. We're being sanctified, right? From glory to glory. We're getting there. At least it's not beep, 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 right? That's how you know you're growing. But everyone suffers. What about when you get a new shoe? New shoes. Oh. Big toe fits so nice. <laughs> I feel so good. Everyone rejoices, right? I'm comfortable walking now. Listen, some of you guys in the body are big toes. Some, again, are livers, pancreases, hidden from view where no one can see. But you're absolutely essential. You're absolutely vital. Just as much as those body parts that get all the exposure. What we think is glamorous. You're absolutely vital. Every part is necessary for what God wants to do. Ministry is not all about being up on stage or being seen. Some people are. That's what they've been called to do. Listen, I want to encourage you this morning. Discover your role because you matter. You matter. God's brought you here. If this is your church, God brought you here to plug in. To use your gifts. It'll, it pleases the Lord to place you right here. Makes him happy. And it's beautiful when we're doing what we're designed to do. And you'll experience that. It pleases you to place God, to God place you where he placed you, right here in the body. Now Paul summarizes, finishes up. We've got four verses, five verses left. Let's finish it up. We got time? Oh yeah, we do. Sweet. Now, Paul ties it all together, summarized, wraps up. And he says what? Now, he says it again. Here it is. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. You Corinthians, corporately, all of you, you're the body of Christ, even though you're individual and unique parts of the body. And God has appointed these in the church. And this is interesting. I'm not really exactly sure why he goes down this trail in verse 28. He's going to introduce us to a few other gifts that he didn't mention earlier. Uh, one reason, I think, is because um, it gives kind of a picture of what happens when a church is planted as a church grows. He gives, as we look at this, it's, it's like it's a progression of priority or usefulness. Look, well, let's just read it, and then um, we'll break it down a little bit as we finish. And God has appointed these in the church. First, 
apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? What's the answer to that, those questions, by the way? No. Paul's using these rhetorical questions, and the answer is obviously no. That's why we need each other. We need other gifted people. We don't, one person or all of us don't have all the same gift. We are all wired in a certain way. The Lord has gifted us in a certain way, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, Paul says, I show you a more excellent way. So let me draw your attention to verse 28 real quick. Let's work through this real fast. So we've got a few more minutes left. God has placed um, these different people in the body, in the church. And as God builds the church, each member plays a crucial role. Correct? And I think the picture is a church that is planted, that is started. First apostles. And by the way, we're not talking about the original apostles here or the original prophets in which uh, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The whole church is built upon the apostles and prophets. Um, we see that word apostles in the New Testament used a few times. And the word means sent out once. And so there are certainly sent out ones in the church, aren't there? Those that church plant, right? Dave and Shannon are getting ready to go to Utah. They're gonna, they're gonna, it's kind of like the apostles going out, being sent out. Those that do evangelistic crusades, those that are missionaries, those are sent out ones to start a new work somewhere. And then we see second, he says, as I say second, next, prophets, those who what? Represent the Lord by speaking forth his word. And we talked about them last week. Third, it says, or next, teachers, those who what? Those who take what God has spoken and explain it to us so we gain understanding and we learn how to apply the word in our lives. And then after that, miracles. God does supernatural stuff confirming his word. He does stuff outside of the normal. Um, they are, miracles are unique. Um, they, are, they are exceptional. They're glorious when he does miraculous stuff for the body and for his glory, by the way. Then it says, after that, gifts of healings. We talked about this last week. God sometimes chooses to use us to bring what? Healing into someone else's life. God wants to reach out. He wants to touch. He wants to heal. And he uses certain people at certain times in certain ways to bring healing. And guess what? Sometimes it is physical healing. We've seen it here, haven't we? Some of you have seen physical healing here. It's like, wow. But sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's spiritual healing that you need. Or mental. And someone just comes alongside you and they share a verse with you. And it's like, oh man, that just set me free. I was hurting. Or you're down and someone shares something with you or prays with you. Think about Job. When he prayed, his friends were healed. Correct? The friends, when they came, they could have brought healing, but they opened their mouths. Sometimes, sometimes just your presence brings comfort and brings healing to someone. 
It's the gifts, plural, of healings. There's different healings. God may want to use you in that way. You have a heart to pray with people, a heart to minister to people that are hurting, that are, that are sick or whatever, have issues. Man, step out in faith. You are absolutely needed and necessary. Here's another one. Look at this. Helps. That is the beautiful gift of God working through and directing someone to aid, to help, to serve, to meet needs, to chip in. You see something that needs to be done? It's the gift of coming alongside, fitting in where necessary, helping whatever is needed. I mean, helping out. It's such a vital and glorious gift. Administrations. This is such a good gift too. Leading, guiding, administrating affairs at church. The, uh, this person is able to motivate, to lead, to organize, to mobilize, to structure things. I love seeing people operate in that gift. When they're not in the spirit with that gift, not fun to be around them. <laughs> I guess all of them are, right? Because we're not operating in love. Variety of tongues. We talk, we're going to talk more about that in a couple weeks. Chapter 14, the God-given gift of prayer, of praise. Um, in a language unknown to the worshiper. And so, and Paul asks those questions. Um, obviously, the answer is no. Again, that's why we need each other, other gifted people. And then he closes, as we close this morning, verse 31, and he says what? But earnestly desire. That means to, to continually burn with zeal, to, to intensely set your heart on, what does he say? The best gifts. It's interesting, that word best means the most useful the, the more advantageous or the more serviceable. So what does that mean? Earnestly desire those more useful gifts. Well, the best gift, what is the best gift? It's the gift you need right now. What do I mean by that? Listen, you go visit someone at the hospital that's sick. They don't need the gift of teaching. They don't need you to come in and give a three-point sermon and conjugate Greek words and, you know, make sure you got your, all your, 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 your verbs right and, and your illustrations correct. They don't need that. They need someone to come in with the gift of mercy or the gift of healings to come alongside. Are you with me on that? It's the gift that's needed at that time. Man, oh, Lord, please give me something here. <laughs> give me the, the gifts I need. In this situation, I think that's what he's saying there. And then he says, as he finishes, I'm going to give you, I'm going to show you a more excellent way, a far more superior manner of thinking and acting. In other words, I understand you want the best gifts, but what I'm going to show you, what's way more important is the gift that we all share. You guys know what that is? Love. Without love, guess what? We're going to learn next week. Read ahead. Right? It's nothing. It's profitless. It's worthless. And love helps us discover our gifts. Listen, love helps us discover our gifts and use them to his glory. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. What an amazing work that you've done to bring us into the body.